Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Green Pole Podcast. I'm Dan Crawford, the editor of Hamien, and I'm joined by not one, but two cheeky chappies. We've got Alan Druitt Jr. Good evening, Alan. Good evening, Dan. Oh, you're nice and upbeat for a change. That's good. It won't uh, last. <laughs> well, let's see. And we've also <laughs> got Freddie Druitt. Hello, Freddie. How are you, mate? Good, thank you. Top man. I even got a thank you from the young one. We'll soon cut that out of him, won't we? Um, <laughs> right. We're going to go to some listener participation, first of all, because as I was mentioning in the build-up, lads, um, some people t- some people gave me some feedback on the last podcast that I was too boring, I wasn't funny, and I was too negative, which I thought was a bit harsh, but there we go. Um, it was spot on, but harsh. I think that counts for both of us. Spot on, but harsh. It can't be. <laughs> I mean, look, mate, this is why we don't invite you to comment on these things, Alan. Um, Sorry. No, you will be, trust me. Right. <laughs> so, about an hour ago, there was an unauthorised tweet from the Hammy End account. Would you like to explain yourself, Alan Druitt Jr.? Yeah, I just want to get more listener interaction because we we talk a lot of nonsense a lot of the time um for their ears and it's always good to get feedback whether that's good bad funny not funny it's always good to get some interaction back um because ultimately this is why we do it we do it so other fans can listen to what we think and vice versa we want to know what they think so we can discuss it for the hundreds and thousands of listeners that we get on a regular basis so I decided to put out a tweet just to get some interaction and we actually got a response from um a Mr Southgate. Not not the Mr Southgate, although he is the Mr Southgate in a Fulham context. Uh, yeah. perhaps we, perhaps we should explain. Obviously, uh Roger Southgate is not related to the England manager, more's the pity. Um he is related to the Fulham women's captain, but I won't embarrass Mary anymore. Uh He's rather opinionated, and he's come up with a question for the three of us, which rather follows on from a question we had following the derby uh, from our good mate, or your good mate, Gary C., who's no longer speaking to me, uh, (laughs) Alan. So (laughs) uh, would you like to read Roger's question? Yes, of course. Right, so he says... Should we move to a four-four-two formation to give Jimenez a partner up front? Team is set up still, in his opinion, for Metro, and it doesn't work. That's the question from Roger. Um, Dan, do you want to answer that first? Well, I think um, I'm going to disappoint Roger, but I should preface this by saying that many moons ago, as you know, Alan, but it will surprise most of your listen- most of our listeners. Um, I qualified as a football coach. Um, and it was clearly in the days before there were any computers, possibly even any textbooks, depending on how old you actually think I am. Um, and uh, so my tactical acumen is based is 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 very much out of date. What I would I, I would say that Roger is right. The team is certainly set up for Mitrovic still, and Silver is largely wedded to his four two three one. But I don't think the system in itself is the problem. It's more the personnel and its effectiveness. 
So I think the team selection was wrong for the game on Monday night. And a number of the players didn't actually cover themselves in glory. I think the system we've got would actually work quite well against Sheffield United tomorrow. Um, and actually, you need to consider a change in system against sides against whom we're not going to have as much of the ball. So I'd actually keep the system the same tomorrow. But in general, a four-four-two or some variant would work. It's good to have options up your sleeve. Um, I might return to that once we've asked you and Freddie, uh, Al. So, um, Freddie, you had some thoughts on this. You were going to... You'd agree to go to to two strikers, but I don't think Raul Jimenez would be one of them, would he? What what would you do? Would you, would you go to a 4-4-2 and who would you pick? I would go for a 4-4-2. I wouldn't have Raul at top. I would have... Nunes and Vinicius at top. But I don't want to play the, the two centre mids. I want to play the two CDMs instead of the centre mids. Yeah, so who are your CDMs? So your CDMs would probably be... Well, actually, I'm just going to ask you. Who would be your sort of holding midfielders in that? In Paulinho and Reed. Okay, yeah. But if one of them's injured, then Lukic can play. Yeah, so I, I think you, Lukic is getting close to fitness. Obviously, he came on as a substitute the other night, so he'd certainly be uh, back in. But interesting, there's a lot of clamour for a change up front, Al. And and Freddie <laughs> talked about uh, uh, making, a, making a total change up front. Because Raul Jimenez hasn't scored for 30 Premier League games. I do think we're being a bit harsh. On Raul Jimenez, because he can't score if he doesn't get any chances made for him. Uh, but what would you do? Well, I may, I well, we brought up the point on the uh, the review on on Wednesday night about perhaps changing to a four four two, and you're not going to be surprised, Dan, but I probably disagree with you. Um, I'd change I'd that probably... with my time, <laughs> I I probably would give four four two a go. Perhaps start Vinicius and. Whether that's with Jimenez or Muniz, we have to try something different because throughout this throughout the season so far, I've not felt confident in hardly any of the games that we were going to well score, let alone create a chance at times. You're quite miserable anyway. I am, but just going back to your coaching badge, Dan, do they still do those Christmas crackers? It's just <laughs> around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to ignore this or it's going to descend into complete (laughs) anarchy. Um, All I would ask you, in a 4-4-2, you might actually lose... What you'd lose is Pereira or or, or the the old-fashioned, the sort of traditional number 10 player because you'd find it difficult to play two strikers and a number 10. Um, Yeah. In some discussion that Andreas hasn't really been on it. Um, so question to you both given that you both opting for the sort of four four two shape as it were does a Wobi get in your four if it's like four 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 two not your four at the back obviously how, how, how's the rest of that midfield shape up for both of you then Al? For me for me probably would because I think 
I'd probably stick him on the left and maybe bench William. That may not go down too well, but I think if you're going to play a 4 4 2, you're going to rely on your wingers to cover more ground going back and forward. So I think Iwobi's he's a bit younger than William, a bit more athletic. He can get up and down the pitch a bit better. And, you know, I, I just want to see something different. And we're probably talking way out of line here. He's never going to change his formation, I don't think. But if he did, I would like to see that change with Iwobi in on the left. Um, even the right, that's fine. Perhaps when uh, Adama comes back, if he ever comes back, he can go on the other flank and just, just mix things like up a little bit. Maybe he's going to Siberia or something. He may as well have, Dan, well, because right. yeah. <laughs> he's only played a handful of minutes and he's injured already. Well, there's plenty of that, you know, he's taken up the slot usually reserved for Terence Congolo in the treatment room. Uh, <laughs> Ready. What would it, you said you'd play uh, Zhao and and uh, the Ginger and Esther, I think, in your starting lineup as the two holding midfielders. Who are your two other your wide players in that in that team if you're going to play two strikers? What would you pick? I would choose uh, William mm-hmm. and. Go Wobi on the other flank, I guess, or Harry Wilson. But if 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 you want um a Wobi to play, then you would play four, one, two, one, two. I got you. So like almost like a dog. Uh, um, but the two, the like first two would be a wide. Yeah, okay. yeah, I got you. So you could almost play a Wobi as a as a number ten, then I guess potentially. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's very attacking. Well, <laughs> I, I just wonder if we should kind of go a bit too gung ho in in that in that way because I, I do think Sheffield United's game plan is going to be to sit in a little bit and then hit us on the break. Similar but to Luton, we've been vulnerable to that because Luton on another day could have scored three or four. Um, yes, so let's sort of move it in that. In that in that general direction, how confident are you, Alan, going into this game? Confidence. I don't have any confidence at the minute in anything. It's right. it's just that fear of creating enough chances that we're going to put one away. Uh, and in this league, you're you're going to need to put two away most weeks to to get a point, let alone three. But we are at home. Let's not get too giddy about. Monday's performance. I know it's easy to do so, and I'm I was guilty of it the other night. But we should be winning tomorrow. We should be confident that we're going to get three points, and hopefully diminish this talk of being in a relegation battle as quick as possible. Because not for one minute do I believe we're in a relegation battle of any sort. Well, we've got we you know we do need to win win our home games, and I think we are <clears throat> not not in terms of the return per game, but Per opponent, we're six or seven. I think it's seven points down on the on the same fixtures uh, last year. That obviously means you're substituting in a promoted team for for or a relegated team for Luton. Um, so it's not an exact comparison. But I just return to the point that I've been disappointed with some of the performances of our creative players. Of late, 
indeed throughout the whole season. Um, Pereira's obviously not been on it. I, I wonder if there's a case for Tom Kenny getting in the t- getting in the side. We, we, he didn't feature in either of your midfields. But he did, you know, he does have the ability to distribute the ball and, and make things happen. He managed it even in the derby when we were well out of the game. Uh, is there a case for where we're going to see a lot more of the ball for Kenny to get on the ball and do more with it, Alan? Yes, but the problem with Kenny is he can't play 90 minutes. And that's why he wasn't in my starting lineup and... I don't want to talk for Freddie, but it's probably why he wasn't in his either. Because on on ability wise, he's he's in there. He's 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 in our starting eleven. It's just he can't do longer than I'd say sixty five, seventy minutes. But, but isn't seventy he, minutes of Kenny setting the tempo better than bringing him on when we're behind with twenty minutes to go? Yes, but he's he, he can. Certainly, do both roles. He can come on and and either help shore a game up or or help create things. But the thing is, if if you start with him and it's not going quite well, then you have got a bit it. more risk on throwing yeah. on someone else. Yeah, yeah, right. So, slightly different question to you, Freddie. Given how poor we were defensively in the derby, would you make any changes to the back four? Obviously, Tete's out for some time now and there's a bit of a doubt about Robinson's fitness would you be changing the centre-backs because Issa Diop and Tim Ream didn't have the best of games you've only really got one option there because Tosin is injured so does Bassi come in maybe for Ream or do you keep the back four the same tomorrow well I think Balotore will be left back for um, Robinson because he because he, um, Robinson is more like like he can play better better teams and he's not really he may not be fit so we may have to see about it at yeah. all but would you change the centre backs would you put Bassi well Ringby's had a nightmare but I think we might start him and if he's not doing well we'll bring Bassi on that's a good point Oh, sorry. Go on, Freddie. Finish, finish off. Don't let me interrupt. But you. I think the up will start. Yeah. So this is interesting to me, Alan. On balance, I'd probably say Reem and Diop is our best partnership, if not our best two central defenders. If that makes any sense. Yeah. But they gel. They seem to have gelled better. And they're a genuinely left and right footed combination. But it didn't look good against the mob down the road, did it? What what do you reckon? Are you gonna change that central defensive partnership or did it not look good because they didn't get the cover that they're used to having in front of them? Yeah. You you've made a good point there, and I think you've hit a nail on the head. I just think we were overrunning the midfield and didn't do any favours for Diop and Ream. That saying, Ream did make the mistake for the second goal, but it's it's just one of those things. I, I would stick with Ream and Diop for tomorrow. I think, I'm not sure why Bassi hasn't played more, but just seeing Bassi and Diop against Norwich, it didn't fill me with too much confidence. 
moving forward. Yes, it's going to take time for them to gel, but I think tomorrow is crucial. We get back on the on the winning the winning side of the things, and I would stick with a tried and tested of Ream and Diop because we know it works. And again, let's not try and get too giddy as I've just mentioned about one game. They have to they have to start together tomorrow. And remember, we did keep was it three clean sheets out of the last four or five games. So they can keep they can keep clean sheets. Uh, we'll just write Monday off. I think the whole team will, and I expect to see a a good display tomorrow. Yeah, and I, I think the problem has fundamentally been at the other end of the field. Um, yeah. But it was just a sort of bad day at the office or bad night in front of the television cameras, um, which is unfortunate. But we all have them, and uh, Fulham have had those against uh, our, our sort of uh, challenged intelligence, intellectually challenged neighbours far too often. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll just have to chalk that up to experience. Um, I wanted to ask you about Marco Silva and the sort of continued uncertainty about his own future. I've read in some quarters that, you know, Silva's been found out. He doesn't have a plan B. Um, I feel like some of the comments after the derby, you know, sort of grossly uh, showed a lack of appreciation for what Marco Silva's done for this football club, Al. I don't think, you know, we can all make make bad decisions. You know, I, I, I give bad opinions on this podcast every couple of days. So, and we've got to uh, remember what Marco Silva has uh, achieved so far, haven't we? Oh, absolutely. He's He's been phenomenal for us. And in many fans' opinion, he's the second best manager we've had in the last 30 years. Behind so what? Behind, um, behind, yeah, behind Sir Woy. Um, okay. yeah. He has been phenomenal for, phenomenal for us, but look, he, he is acceptable for criticism. We, I've stated on here a few times in the past that when we go 1-0 down, we never really look like turning the game around, and we, we haven't done under Silver. So the people that said he hasn't got a plan, but yeah, I can sort of understand where they're coming from. But let's not be too critical at the same time he's been phenomenal for us and the go- every goal is crucial in any game but especially the first goal I think we are a lot better going at going at 1-0 up than 1-0 behind and I just hope that we do go 1-0 up tomorrow and we don't have to worry about what I've just said yeah um, but we also need to be a bit patient because Sheffield United are dangerous and they've won the last two games against us, uh, Al. And they're probably licking their lips. But an opportunity yeah. to add to our misery a little bit. So we can't, you know, it's very easy to say, oh, they got hammered 8-0 and they lost 2-0 at West Ham and they haven't won a game yet. We're good at playing out-of-form teams into some... Into some... Uh, <laughs> semblance into some quality. Aren't we? And we don't need any help from Domino's Pizza either. Uh, no. How how worried should we be about um, about the blades sharpening up tomorrow? Well, you know, let's not forget they they nearly beat Spurs a few weeks back. 
if it wasn't for the 13 minutes injury time that I think that was at the game. So they were winning for 107 minutes of that game. Um, well, I know they scored late on, but they would have won if there wasn't so many minutes injury time. The Newcastle game was a bit of a freak result. They are the only thing that worries me, and it's the one stat which I'm sure will worry many, is they're the only team in the Premier League at the moment without a win. And that never sits well with me. Because as you said, we we have this really bad habit of breaking ducks against our against us rather than for us. So they are gonna they are gonna look at tomorrow and think that's a game we can win. Because there's not many games for them they can turn around and go, right, I fancy us to get three points, but the last time we played them, we were already promoted. We did already win the league, so it was a bit of a write-off. Um, the game before, we did lose, but I don't think we have a very good record at home to Sheffield United regardless, which again is another worrying stat. But look, we are a, a, an established Premier League team. They will be fighting for their lives. So I would like to see us on the front foot from the first minute, get an early goal, and then they have to come out. And then we'll see just exactly what we're made of in that final third. Yeah, I'll make you right, mate. Um, I, I would just say, uh, just on the, the record against uh, Sheffield United, so they beat us at Craven Cottage in the Championship promotion winning season before Christmas. There's a great goal by Ilian and Dye. Um, uh, Sheffield United won one nil. Um, the two previous Premier League matches, we've won one nil uh, at Craven Cottage. That is uh, Adamola Lookman in that season. We tend to forget about, um, and Jimmy Bullard, way back in two thousand and six with a free kick just before he got very badly injured. Um, in between a couple of uh, wins, one in the League Cup, um, one in the Championship. And of course, we don't need to recall too fondly the FA Cup replay that pretty much brought Rennie Moulinstein's time in charge of Fulham to an end um, when Sheffield United beat us after extra time. They were in League One at that time. Um, so, yeah, they, they could win three in a row against Fulham for the first time since 1988 tomorrow. I wanted to finish the Sheffield United section of the podcast uh, by responding to some listener feedback that's come from some, from two people who don't want to be identified. But if I say they are uh, Fulham supporters from Northern Ireland, you might know where I'm going with this, which is, can we, can we have a moment's appreciation for Oliver Norwood? Alan, what do you remember of Ollie Norwood? And if you don't mention that wonderful tackle at Wembley... Yeah. Then I'll end the podcast now. <laughs> you just stole my limelight there, Dan, because that was the only thing which many people do remember. But in that season under Slav, he was brilliant for us. He he wasn't a starter most weeks. He did sort of come on um, and make things happen. I'm afraid I think we might have uh, lost Alan. He's coming back. Um, he, he got cut off and I won't do to Alan what he did to me uh, a few months ago and leave him entirely off the, the podcast. 
Alan, so, hello. Yeah, I'm back. I just had to fill in there. Um, and I would just <laughs> say that my particular memory, I'll give you one memory. The main thing that I remember about Oliver Norwood was he could take a penalty. He was very successful with penalties, uh, including once against Derby. In a season where we missed a lot of penalties, he also scored a penalty very late on at Middlesbrough that kept, that started our run of uh, 23 games undefeated. And I think you were getting to it. But talk me through your emotions when he dived in on Conor Horahan with a couple of minutes to go in the Championship playoff final against Aston Villa. It's one of those tackles you had to get right. And there was a guy in front of me who was absolutely certain that it was going to be a penalty to Aston Villa even before he even dived in. Because he said some words that I won't repeat on this. <laughs> but yeah. It was, it was a heart-in-the-mouth moment when you see him sliding in. You think, you have to time this right. You have to time this right. But I think many of us at Wembley that day celebrated it like it was a goal because the tackle was that important. But I ended up but, about well, five rows in front of where I should have been after that. <laughs> um, because, yeah, you're actually worth a goal. Um, yeah, and I would just say we decided not to sign Ollie Norwood after that, and he went on to be sensational for Sheffield United, not just in the Championship getting promotion with them, but then again in the Premier League. Um, and he covered for Kearney, Johansson, and Kevin McDonald, who is the EFL's newest manager. Did you see this news, Alan? He took over at Bradford, didn't he? From a gentleman who decried Fulham's lack of ambition, if you remember. Yeah, we, don't, we won't go into that. He doesn't well, deserve a mention well, on this podcast. reminding people that <laughs> that particular gentleman um, gets things wrong. He's a rival for me on this podcast. But I'm sure we'd like to wish Kevin McDonald all the very best in charge of Bradford City, no? Absolutely. He's an absolute gentleman. He was a fantastic servant for the club. It's great to see him back on his feet after his operation. And if there's one man in football that deserves all the success in the world, it's that man, Kevin McDonald. And we'd certainly like to see him on the coaching staff or even in the dugout at Fulham at, at some point. And this might be the first... I know he's doing some coaching badges, hopefully more successfully than my Christmas cracker version. <laughs> I'm not going to let you forget that. That was scandalous. Um, right. We need to start moving towards wrapping this one up. So I'm going to ask you both for your score predictions for this match tomorrow. Uh, Freddie, what is your score prediction for Fulham versus Sheffield United tomorrow? What are you saying? Who won? I think... To, to Fulham? Yeah, I think we will score, then they'll score, then we'll score again. Excellent. Okay, well... Uh, that sounds in keeping with the crazy season we've had, except for the part where we score two goals. Um, <laughs> Alan, are you as confident as your boy? No, but I'm still going to predict a win. I've been thinking all day that we're going to edge it 1-0, but I just think that it's going to end 2-0 and Jimenez is finally going to break his duck in the 31st attempt. Even though you don't want to put him on the pitch. Okay. Interesting. No, he can come on and score. I want him to, you know. It's all, it's all Eric Nevlin style. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like a reminiscent of the uh, the Birmingham game at home when that season under Roy, we were one 0 up late on with that McBride header. Neverland comes on. Drew completely missed the ball. See, oh. ex Fulham legend, that man. Wow. <laughs> yeah, well, I know what you think about uh, your rating of Fulham left backs is, is questionable. We might return to We've that. only had one. We've only had one brilliant left back in the last 30 years, Dan. So it's harsh on the. Uh, well, that can't be true because you interviewed one brilliant Fulham left back. In He's that. the only one. <laughs> it's a bit harsh on Rufus Brevin. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I apologise. Yes, Rufus. Yeah, you will apologise. You're up there. to this podcast. So, Rufus, <laughs> please don't take Alan, anything Alan says seriously. Um, you're an absolute legend. And you did win the Intertoto Cup. Um, and the championship, yes. But, well, but you indeed, know, yeah. it's uh, no secret that Robbie Herrera is my favourite ever Fulham player. Yes, but so, I, I no did ever gonna... other left-backs... Did did play for us to to varying degrees of absolute distinction. Anyway, I, I'm glad you didn't go for one nil because that's what I was going for. Um, so we've got the full range of Fulham wins um, catered for there, which is a marked up much more upbeat assessment than than we managed on Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> so there's progress there. I did just want to remind people that. Um, there are other Fulham sides to watch uh, this weekend. Um, the under-21s, you, you can't watch them prior to uh, this podcast because they're playing right now and they're leading Leicester City by a goal to nil in the Premier League Cup. Um, so you'll need to check and see if they can either hold on or extend their lead. Imani Lequindoff has scored that goal uh, and they're still playing in the first half at Motspur Park. Our under-18s are in action uh, tomorrow against West Bromwich Albion, and Fulham women are in action on Sunday, the start of a series of uh, home league fixtures, which I promised I was going to promote on this podcast, and my screen has completely failed me right now. Yes, here we go. They... Start against Sutton United on Sunday and then Dulwich Hamlet on Wednesday and then Enfield Town the following Sunday. So there are three home games in the space of seven days, which you might enjoy uh, checking out uh, to go and support the the women's team uh, in action. Right. Uh, we've gone I just sl- want to say, Dan, before on, we move on, um, there are two ex-Dulwich um, ladies players playing for us now. Uh, in Sophie Manzi and her sister-in-law. Uh, her name evades me. Um, so, yeah. Sophia Adamson, I think, isn't it? Uh, I'll have to double-check, because the thing is, I work with a Dulwich Hamlet oh, fan. Me. It's uh, Maddie Parsonson, I think. Maddie, that's the one. Yeah, and, I'll, uh, yes. I've just... He, uh... wasn't very, he wasn't very happy about them moving, so uh, it's a bit of a grudge match. Oh, I see. Right, there'll be a bit of spice to that. There will be. So definitely go to that one. I'll be there. I'm going to that one. Wednesday night. So uh, we look look forward to that one. Um, Okay, then. Alan, uh, always a pleasure to have you and Freddie on the podcast. Thanks very much, Alan. And thanks very much, Freddie. Thank you, Dan. And I apologise about my lack of professionalism.
um, during the podcast. You, which part were you referring to? I mean, that could describe anything we've done in the last... I would mention the last 30 minutes, but specifically when uh, the signal cut out. <laughs> oh, no, don't worry about it. That, that's happened before. Um, so, uh, we're, we're not exactly the most professional operation, let's put it that way. Uh, but we appreciate but the best, listening to us all the same. And we'll see many of you tomorrow at the cottage. So thanks very much for listening and come on you white.